0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. This week, we are breaking down Season 3, Episode 4, entitled Walk Alone, guest starring Lawrence Fishburne and Raul Perman. Let's get into it. Per IMDb, the synopsis is as follows. Tubbs goes undercover in a penitentiary to try and smoke out a group of corrupt prison guards. We'll get to why in just a minute. We open up with tubs and a beautiful woman embracing, but kind of sounds like it's Animal Crossing music in the background. Let me show you clip one. I hate to leave, but the city just won't wait. I will. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, I can't ID that. I was scouring through YouTube and through the different Jan Hammer lists, Marty Castillo's channel, could not find it. So, not that I'd want to listen on the regular, but I'd like to be able to relay that back to you, the listener. So, as they make their separate ways, as Tubbs, remember the city, the city won't wait for him. So he's back at OCB, and it's actually very cute. He is in a great mood. He is in love. Everything is going well for him, and he's annoying all of his co-workers in this next clip. Somebody said that if I do right, I'd get my just reward. <laughs> lets Crockett know that he is free and willing to talk to Tubbs to impart some relationship advice on him before he walks down the aisle. And it's at this time, Tubbs gets a call from his lady who's a little suspicious of someone that she overheard talking in the nightclub that she works at, mentioning Keys. Hmm. This is Miami. What could it mean? Could mean the Florida Keys. That's what Tubbs thinks. But I think she's right on the money when she thinks it means cocaine in this next club. Keys? (laughs) Woman, you watch too many movies. I didn't you know he wasn't talking about the island. Now, I always love when Tubbs says the word woman in <laughs> that kind of, like, exasperated tone because it doesn't seem like it comes from a place of misogyny or condescension. He's... I just love it. It's very 70s. It's very New York of him. So, I love it. I love it when he was doing with Valerie. Anytime. Anytime. Now, this woman, she... Does have a right to be concerned, because when we see the gentleman that she's talking about at this supper club, he looks very much out of place, a little bit older than the rest of the audience, not really dressed for the part, sunglasses inside, kind of looking shifty. So Crockett and Tubbs go over there to see for themselves, and they meet her with her fabulous, possibly sequined, gold and black blazer that she looks like a million bucks, and she points them over in his direction. Crockett weighs no time trying to get to the bottom of what's going on in this next clip. Rule number one Never, ever use these dime store briefcases. It's bad form. Uh, I want a lawyer. And now this comes up again in the episode makes for good plot development. We want to keep things speeding along. Obviously, Crockett and Tubbs need to be at the center and the forefront of everything that's going on. But in general, uh, talk to a lawyer. You have the right to talk to an attorney. You should take that. (laughs) It generally does not work out for you when you don't, as you'll see within this episode. So Crockett and Tubbs are able to get a little bit more information out of Mr. Pink, the gentleman making this deal, who clearly it's his first day. Now, he says that Amadi reached out to him and Crockett and Topps are a little bit perplexed like why would this big time dealer like Amadi reach out to this small fry is what I have in my notes small fry like it makes no sense then Amadi walks up to the table Crockett tells Mr. Pink to be cool calm and collected and Amadi is there for business let's say the least in this next clip you Mr. Pink you Amadi that's right this is for my brother don't have to tell you what happens next a uh, shootout goes on Mr. Pink Amadi, are killed in the shootout unfortunately some patrons were also hit and wounded unfortunately Laura Tubbs's new paramour was struck and killed in the crossfire and as we come back from the cold open they're surveying the scene and Castillo and Crockett are talking about how Tubbs is doing, what could have happened. And then a name pops up that sounds quite familiar in this next clip. The dealer said Amati got to him through Izzy. The deal went down. He shot wild, killed Laura. Our man, Isidore. Why isn't he always the center, (laughs) the centerpiece of the puzzle, if you will. Now, we are going back to Raoul's. This facade has come up in a couple episodes now. I have been doing some research on this because it's conflicting reports that the exterior is from the 80s in Los Angeles. So I was trying to look up, I believe I have the address somewhere in my notes. It's like 100890, it's in the picture. And I was, someone put Santa Monica Boulevard in Santa Monica, but Santa Monica Boulevard and Santa Monica, that number did not pop up. Same thing with Wilshire Boulevard. So... And I think I also tried Sunset. So I'm trying to find out where this was located. And it has to be like a major thoroughfare that goes all the way through Los Angeles, similar to Olympic, Pico, Venice, to obviously to get the numbers up to 10,000. So I will be doing some more research on this. However, if you know, please let me know, because unfortunately, every time I've been popping in that number, it just comes up blank. And I know that It's probably not the same on the exterior, but it would still be kind of cool to see the building and be able to show you guys a Miami Vice filming location, even if it's just exterior B-roll for you guys here in Los Angeles, because it's very easy for me. And I just think that'd be cool. So if anybody has information on where the facade of Raoul's is located, please let me know because the inside where they filmed is OVO. Yes, similar to Drake's OVO, October very own OVO and you can kind of see that sign. There's like a little bit. You can see it when they walk in. So, Zwijek, they want to go pay Izzy a visit. Now, they get into like a little bit of a road bump in that it's ladies' night. What I mean, ladies' night? I mean, not really stripping, but you have male burlesque dancers, and then you have a guy with the wildest sleeves. Again, I try to paint a picture with these episodes and a picture says a thousand words because you have got to see the sleeves that this kid is wearing that the drummer is wearing. He is wearing a pink button-up shirt with giant puffy gold sleeves and then they're layered with pink underneath it is just ridiculous and the guy looks very familiar this whole episode i don't know if it's deja vu but so many familiar looking faces and i cannot track track them down to save my life but this kid definitely looks very familiar and i'm sure he grew into a character actor later on in life and there's another one i'll mention as well but this whole scene is wild and my favorite part is that you kind of have the cowboy dancing to walk this way the run dmc aerosmith collab from the 80s and then izzy comes out and like that's the thing with izzy is that he's so awkward but charming that he makes this work and like obviously he wouldn't be as popular as someone who's like a little bit more beefy or a little bit more you know traditional male stripper male dancer but he does make it work yeah right it's good everywhere. I must say, this is a great song choice to dance to. Very upbeat and you got a little rock and hip hop, you know, old guard and new guard. So they do get a little bit of information from Izzy as they interrupt him on his other side gig. I will say this for Izzy. Man's always working. You know, he's always trying to make a buck, always trying new ways. You know, he's never just standing still. He gives him a little bit of intel. He tells Zidou and Switek that the guy who was meeting Amadi was a prison guard, and Amadi wanted him to watch out for his brother. Guess that didn't happen since Amadi definitely got revenge for that. Back at OCB, back at the precinct, Tubbs is taking it really rough, and you just see these piles and piles of folders and papers in front of him. He's trying to get down to the bottom of you know, what happened and there's nothing that can bring back his girlfriend. So all he wants to do is find and fix it. You know, that is a very natural reaction. I don't know how he could be back at work the next day. It's so tough, but you know, the fact that he's soldiering through it and then Tubbs, you could tell that he's still going through it and Crockett very, very, very generously offers to, you know, take the lead on this and to let Tubbs get a few days of rest, but Tubbs just wants to keep working. And as the scene progresses, you can see that Tubbs has been able to channel his anger and his grief and his heartbreak and really do some great investigative reporting, as we can see in this next scene, because this kind of sets up why that prison guard was making this, quote unquote, deal with Amadi that was really a hit on revenge for not taking care of Amadi's brother. We find out where all this corruption lies, like we mentioned in the intro in this next clip. And there's 10 other drug dealers who've been killed in Bolton this year. Investigative reports? There are none. It's a write-off, man. The only other witnesses were inmates and the prison guards. Now, I will say this with about 95% confidence. The first voice you heard in that clip that was supposed to be Philip Michael Thomas was not Philip Michael Thomas. I do not know. Or maybe he was sick, but that does not sound like him. and It is like a different pitch. But then you can hear his natural voice come back at the end for the dialogue. So I have no idea if maybe it was an ADR thing, if there was an issue. But I was like, that's definitely not Tubbs. Ah, so now we see where this whole episode is going. So Amadi's brother was a low-level dealer, was carried out of the prison in a body bag, and that the 10 other prisoners who've ended up dead, no case, no investigation, no justice. So something super fishy is definitely going on at this jail. And we're going to find a little bit more. And Castillo calls Crockett and Tubbs, wants to see him at the hospital. And there they meet with Ron Perlman, who is, I forgot his character's name already, but he is the commissioner of prisons in the state of Florida. Actually, no, I have no idea. My question says, question mark state, or question mark municipal. He is the commissioner of prisons. He gives him a little bit more intel that the guards are extorting prisoners for drugs that they end up selling on the street. Along with selling those drugs on the inside. He doesn't know about the warden, so he doesn't know how high this goes, but he definitely knows that the guards are participating and they are killing and they are abetting to continue this extortion cycle game. I'm not really sure of the proper way to racket. There we go, a racket. And they need some help getting to the bottom of this, and then we'll see how Crockett and Tubbs are involved in this next clip. They need a police officer to break the chain. Break the chain? Huh. By going in as a prisoner. We <laughs> must have guys lining up around the block for this one. <laughs> now, of course, we need an officer whose experience on the street has been limited. Here's a list of rookies that we thought would qualify why send in a rookie when you can send in the coach ooh Tubbs means himself he's referring to himself as the coach and he wants to go in it does make a little bit of sense because as we already know with the episode payback people will recognize Crockett from the outside inside he's put away too many people but Tubbs later posits that because he hasn't put anybody away into Bolton that nobody in Bolton bolton should be able to recognize him so actually very quite an interesting point and then he has also shown them a picture of fox the head warden guard who's kind of like the main man of this whole operation ron perlman does end up agreeing to this and he says that he can have a fake identity basically made for tubbs that even just one speeding ticket would land him in jail as this character. So then we get a little bit of a police chase. So we have Zito and Switek going to go visit a gentleman to get a little bit more info as to what's going on. He knows someone who is in Bolton. His name is Samson. And these guy's on the outside. And he looks a little spooky with his glasses because he has one obscured or, like, Dark shade. Maybe it's an eye patch. I'm not quite sure. And he's filing things at the library, and basically they are able to get a little bit of information out of him by offering to shorten Samson's parole. So while Zito and Spytek are working on that, Tubbs decides to go for a joyride. And I say Tubbs and. His stunt double because you could clearly tell this is not Philip Michael Thomas in the driver's seat in certain scenes when it does zoom into him and you're not looking at the car coming towards you in the angle. But when you're kind of with Philip Michael Thomas facing forward as Tubbs, you're like, oh yeah, that is Tubbs. You can definitely tell the side of his face actually driving. That is definitely a stunt person. But they did pick a good song. They picked Gear Jammer by George Thorogood. And so, with this speeding ticket, Tubbs's persona is arrested, put on the bus, and he is on his way to Bolton, looking very dapper in his suit, I might add. And he definitely sticks out like a sore thumb just in that suit because you see Lawrence Fishburne, who is one of the guards, kind of size him up and like playfully kind of slap his cheek. So you know that he's going to have a rough time. We get a little bit of skin when Tubbs has to strip. I'm assuming it's for a strip search. And then we have them slowly line up in the corridor and then... They sit down. I want to say there's about like eight of them. And I made a GIF of this because this is where Fox and the other guards divide the new incoming prisoners into different blocks. Remember how we're talking about D-block? That's where most of this was happening. This is the roughest block. So again, there was a GIF that I made of Fox going these four, pointing to Tubbs and three other men, even though there's only two sitting with him. Who are black. And obviously, he, you will see there was a lot of anti black racism, not only from the guards, from the other prisoners, but you could already tell this is a very rough situation for Tubbs to be in. And who knows how long this is going to last because we did hear rumblings of like maybe a day, maybe a day or two. And I'm like, this is wild. So, surprise, surprise. Uh, Quick edit. I am mistaken. I'm going through my gallery right now. And there is one white man. So the four that he has picked, there is one white man in it. And this is where they get to meet our guest star for the episode, Lawrence Fishburne. Now, it's very funny in that Lawrence Fishburne plays asshole so well. Him as Ike Turner and right here as the guard, he is just so good at being bad. But then he's so good at being good. Like, he's so good as for his styles and Morpheus. So really, truly, Lawrence Fishburne, Renaissance Man. Now Lawrence Fishburne gives in their duties. Tubbs gets sent to kitchen duty. Ugh, not a good first day. Basically, he's scrubbing a little bit of the oven. Sorry, of the stovetop ask the other guy where the soap is and the other guy kind of looks around nervously, sees something that scares him, walks away while a huge group of guys come in and beat the crap out of tubs. Then there's also another weird scene. I'm going to see if I have a recording of it where the guards call out that they need volunteers for a lineup. And it's all different ethnicities, looks, races, heights, weights. And I'm like, wouldn't um, a, a lineup be people of like a similar build I, I could be mistaken please let me know because I figured that let's just say I got mugged by someone who's 5'10 and blonde who was wearing a black hoodie I have a feeling they would round up about six people that fit that description and then I would pick the one I would try to finger the one that had mugged me so I don't know if this is also part of their game. I'm assuming it is because we meet Tubbs's roommate, who was a very sweet man with a very thick accent that I could not stop laughing at. And I swear I've seen this actor before, but when I was digging deep into IMDb, he's not even listed on the IMDb page. I had to go through the Miami Vice Wiki page. I believe his name is Richard St. George. And every time I would try to Google image search him, it would just be some like, english knight so i got nowhere but he looks so 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 familiar however he is not having a good time because he needs a key of cocaine to give to the guards or otherwise the guards say they're gonna kill him and tubbs we know that he loves his charity work as uh castillo loves to say don't do your social work here but tubbs knows that he's on the inside and that he can't really Ben, because he's the one that needs to work with the guards if he's going to be able to expose their corruption. Please advance to me one kilo of cocaine. Move off of me. You don't understand. Move off from me. You don't understand, senor. Por favor, se- Move off of me. You don't understand. They're going to kill me. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, poor guy. And then, so as they're already kind of having this argument, there is a comb placed in the bed, and Tubbs knows it's not his, so when he picks it up, looks a little bit perplexed. The leader of the area Nation, who in real life is actually a Miami Dolphins player, I believe his name is A.J. Rua, so interesting casting, uh, comes up and tells him, you know, what's he doing with his stuff and then Thomas is like offering to give it back and he's like I'll give it back I'll take it when I want to take it basically and like making it known and then they go out to the yard where once again our roommate with the worst fake accent explains to him the rules of the yard see these guys up on the wall behind you and over there they all work for fucks you rumble with somebody in the yard and they take you out. Legal. No questions asked. You listen to Lazarus. They never miss. And then, as if Tubbs's day couldn't get any worse. Leader of the aryan Nation, Hammer, I believe is his name, comes up to Tubbs, starts to square off. And again, you see the guard keep an eye on them with his gun out. Then when Samson, who is a member of the Muslim Brotherhood in the prison, comes to defend Tubbs, even though no one has thrown any hands, there is no violence whatsoever, the guard shoots and kills Samson in front of Tubbs. Then, when the other inmates who are also members of the Muslim Brotherhood in jail come over, they're so unfazed by it, it's a little bit heartbreaking. And one of them just says, The will of Allah, like the will of God, that's it. And this is just how it is. This is how normalized it is. Like, this is how deep and messed up this is. And right before anything else goes down, once, you know, the yard is getting a little bit active, we see Lawrence Fishburne. I don't even remember what his character's name is. <laughs> I will remember it before the end of the episode. Come over with the gas mask and call Tubbs into the office because they heard that they could do a little bit of business together. And Tubbs, again, he's in character. He lays it on He knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly that he can get it. You may be heavyweight in here, but from what I hear, you got amateurs running your stuff on the streets. Run it down? What I got is distribution first class and four stars. Cut your own deals on your own stuff, but on the keys that I run through here, you take care of me, you get 40%. (laughs) 40%? Yeah. You're going to give me 40%. Uh Uh-huh. No, Buck. I give you 40%. I got people here. 50% plus amenities. Now wait, because I love these amenities that he is proposing in this next clip. I want protection. I don't need no more accidents. I want my own cell own food clothes music and my own woman his own woman does that mean that he wants more conjugal visits interesting i was trying to figure out what that meant but i did love like music clothes his own soul. i was like yeah totally if you're gonna play dirty you're gonna play dirty with me too i agree with him on that not that i agree with the sentiment of any of this but if I were in his position, I would do the exact same thing. Now, he makes a call back to OCB. Zvitek picks up. Now, this is all code, but I want you to hear Tubbs' delivery. This is McMullen. This is Cooper Pick up a pencil. Have my wife go through my business files and get that snapshot of Burnett, then go to the warehouse and pick up two packages, bring them here by one o'clock. Are you kidding me? You heard that. Yeah, one o'clock. Don't forget that photograph. Also, I want my tape player, my silk sheets, my bathrobe, and a nice, juicy lobster from Charmaine's. Sounds like you're doing a real hard time in there. And so it is with that that Trudy gets all dolled up and she does look like a million bucks. Everybody in this episode that's wearing blue is wearing a really great shade of blue that works for them. Unfortunately, this episode, Crockett is not wearing any blue because he should, because everybody is kind of making it their own. So Trudy's dress and her big earrings, and I want to describe this dress. It looks like it zips up in the front, kind of looks like a bustier. I don't want to say it's denim. It kind of looks like lingerie. like It's a very scandalous tight dress. So now she comes in with the bag. Now remember, Tubbs is making this deal with the guards. So Trudy is going to hand her bag off to the guards who will search it, wink, wink. And then they also have a basket that Zwaitek is going to be handing over to the gate agent. Now, again, Zwaitek does hit a little bit of a snag. So remember the guy that they used for a little bit of information to help samson his friend who was in prison well samson was the one that got shot in the yard so the guy comes up obviously pissed off knows he's a cop and so i took just basically has to pretend that he's crazy while he's trying to do this deal and trying to you know stall a little bit but let's get back to the conjugal visit quote unquote because this <laughs> let me play it Okay. Hey, woman! What are you doing? I know you've been messing around on me. I've been behaving. And hey, no, I look, I ain't gonna be no playing no jump now. I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, I know you're here, but you've been chomping out on me. Does this mean you're not gonna kiss me? I know you've been cheating on me, woman. Okay, that's enough. Get out of there. That's state property. I guess that means you. Oh, did you catch that? I guess this means you're not going to kiss me when they were play fighting. Interesting. So as she storms off, she kind of gets in the middle of what is going through, again, trying to basically pass this guy off as crazy, even though the guy is totally right to be pissed off and totally right to be calling him out. But again, they have to protect their cover because, again, they've just seen another body in a body bag getting carried out of the prison. Now, who was that body? It wasn't Samson, unfortunately. As no surprise, Lazarus, the guy with a really cheesy accent, Tubbs's roommate who was begging for help, was found, quote-unquote, hanged in a room that only the guards would have access to. And... Yeah, this is not looking great for Tubbs and he wants to play along. He wants everything to go. So as Lawrence Fishburne, I'm sorry, I'm still not knowing his character's name. He leaves in his car. And again, he has the bag that Trudy brought along with him. Zito and Switek definitely notice this once they're doing surveillance. And again, they're radioing the whole time. So Trudy comes out. No Tubbs. Where's Tubbs? Unfortunately... Now the guards have gone wise to the fact that Tubbs is a cop. You would think that maybe they would abandon their plan. No, they want Tubbs gone. And they want to use the yard as a way to get rid of him and to get rid of this problem. Now, as they are reconvening at this gorgeous Oceanside restaurant, I may add, with this very beautiful agent along with Ron Perlman. I was just in trance with her because she's also in a very beautiful shade of blue that works really well and her hair is really done. They're basically figuring out a plan of attack and how they can get in there to get Tubbs out. Ron Perlman's there, Crockett's there. Castillo's there. Gina's there. And they basically decide that one of them has to go in. Crockett naturally really wants to go in to help his partner. We all know how Crockett is very hands on and very loyal. However, Crockett has put many people away in prison. He has had a much longer undercover career in Miami, as he said in the pilot episode or in um, Heart of Darkness, 10 years How old is Crockett? See, we never figured this out. I will return back to this. Basically, they decide on Castillo and Castillo looks very solemn as always, but he knows that he can do this. And I think it does help in this case that he's not as emotionally invested in Tubbs as Crockett, but that he's still going to do everything in his power to get Tubbs out of there. And unfortunately, they're working with very limited time. I believe Ron Perlman says 40 minutes. But guess who walks in wanting to make a deal? Who are you? I work with Fox. How's Cabara? He's in a tight spot, man. Tight spot, but we uh, can you help him out of it. Yeah, Crockett is not playing around, and they are splitting this scene between, obviously, uh, Lawrence Fishburne getting caught with Tubbs getting the crap bean out of him. And again, Castillo is finally getting ready. He's taking off his suit, his white shirt, as Lawrence Fishburne, on the recorded line, calls into the prison guards to let them know that he didn't make the deal, wink, wink and that he doesn't want to deal with any more heat that he basically kind of got a little bit suspicious he felt he saw a little like too many cups for his liking or possible cops left and then he reminds them that Tubbs is a cop and he doesn't want a dead cop on his hands unfortunately Fox is going to set Tubbs up Yeah, Fox. Look, the meat's not going down. There were three guys in the place that looked like heat, so I split. Kuber is a cop. We're going to do him in the yard. Hey, well, no, wait, wait, wait till I get back. But what? Oh, wow. That's super cold. And with this, we are getting Castillo ready to go and sneak in to get Tubbs out. They, again, are putting him in the prison uniform, the short sleeve blue outfit that they're all wearing. They're also fitting him with body armor. Please keep that in mind. They, Ron Perlman, as commissioner of, is it state or municipal prisons? Never figured that out. He gives them the keys that can open anything and everything in the prison. Now, unfortunately, Trudy and Crockett and Zito are in the van waiting. They have the radio. They're luckily connected while Gina is actually going to be closer to the prison. He actually looks very good and he's able to sneak in with Lawrence Fishburne by hiding in Lawrence Fishburne's trunk. Because remember, he left the prison to do that deal, put the bag in the trunk, and now he's coming through. And of course, naturally, he works there. They're not going to check his trunk. They're not going to assume anything suspicious. So Lawrence Fishburne gives Castillo the same spiel he gave them earlier. Stand four steps behind all personnel and keep your distance. Unfortunately... This proves to work against Castillo because what happens is that Fishburne first opens up the door four steps ahead, lets him in. Then goes into another door, turns around, locks the door. Castillo's stuck. He's freaking out. He can't open any of the doors. But again, Castillo, very smart man. He is able to sneak into the kitchen. It is at this time They are going out to the yard. Castillo can see tubs in the yard through a small little crack in the metal doors. This is such a great, riveting scene. And the song in Dulce the Gicorum by The Damned is playing, and it's such a great... Song to set the pace to keep it thrilling because again, we are crunching on time. We know that Tubbs is going to be set up, we know that no one is looking out for him in the yard, and that Castillo is trying his best, but again everything is working against them in this episode. Luckily, Castillo in the kitchen notices a big sign that says flammable propane along with propane tank. So what he does is he's able to shoot the propane tank, which blows open the doors and diverts the guard's attention. Everyone just kind of goes nuts, runs around. Castillo starts shooting off with the guards who are shooting down at the yard, shoots up at them. This whole shootout's going on. He does get shot. He does fall down. But remember, he has that body armor. So even though he does fall down, he just takes a second, takes a beat, comes back up. Gina, also, I love how my notes said this, Gina's outfit 100. She is in a royal blue suit with a very cinched black waist looking like a million bucks. Because again, Once Castillo blew up the doors, everyone's going in. So at this time, he's with Tubbs in the yard as Metro Dade, as SWAT, as Gina, as they're all about to get in and they're all going, they're all coming to get Tubbs. Then in a great scene, Tubbs and Castillo hide on separate sides of an entranceway. I guess they could see Lawrence Fishburne walking out towards the door with, I believe, a pump shotgun. And then as Fishburn gets out of the door, points to Castillo, Tubbs from behind, jumps, hits the gun out of his hand, and starts beating the crap out of him. I made a very good gif of this because you can tell how much pent-up rage he must have. And... He just goes off. Now, at this time, remember, this is, I don't want to say it's a riot, but it's a full-on meltdown at the prison. And as we're watching one person who deserves to get the shit beaten out of him, get the shit beaten out of him, we see Fox, bloodied, red, looks like he's also taken a beating, being held up on the shoulder of inmates coming out through the door. Then karma happens. They beat the crap out of the guards who terrorized them, who abused them, who killed their friends and who extorted them. And as we wrap up this episode, Castillo and Tubbs watch as the group of inmates beats the ever-living crap out of Fox. Karma. Karma. They got a jury of their own peers. And that's the episode. Now, let's get to a little bit of a lighter topic. Let's do some Vice tea first. So let me preface this by saying I love gossip. I love, love, love scandal. But... I don't like to report on sad topics. So within this show, I have definitely read articles, legal filings that I don't wish to share that you can definitely easily find on Google because either they involve a topic I'd rather not touch on that's not fun. One blogger I followed back in the day always had, there's a difference between smut and sad smut. And so when children are involved or sexual assault against children, molestation, that kind of stuff, don't want to deal with it. We'll not be talking about that. We are here to have fun. So that is just a way for me to preface. I think you were expecting a different Vice tea on one of our guest stars because of what I've said his children has been in the news for in the past like decade or so but I will not be covering it here just because it's a very sad story so let's have a little bit of fun now Ron Perlman he is so baby-faced in this episode and he's really come to his own of course he's been in everything hellboy sons of anarchy now I wasn't that close to all this gossip and drama but a few years ago, I want to say it was maybe 2018, 2017. Um, I've definitely linked to it in the show notes. I just forget the years, but I was working in Pasadena. And for those of you who are not familiar, Pasadena is this very pretty suburb outside of Los Angeles. It's where the Rose Bowl parade happens, there's um, lots of beautiful gardens. It's like a, it's a quiet little suburb, but they do have a playhouse. So we do get a lot of. Actors coming into Pasadena, um, you know, just to act in plays, or a lot of celebrities also live in Pasadena. So when I was working in Pasadena, one of my regulars worked at a nicer steakhouse and said that Ron Promo would come in all the time. And I was like, oh, cool, that's so cool. And they said nothing but great things. He tipped well, super lovely. One time I was at another restaurant in South Pasadena and I did see Ron Perlman and this blonde woman and they were just having the time of their life. They were just joking around. I think we're trying to get a lift or trying to get our valet back. And they were just kind of, you know, shooting the shit with us. And it was actually a really cool experience. And then like a couple days later, I saw these pictures on page six at a different steakhouse, Alexander's Steakhouse in Pasadena. There was one in San Francisco and one in Los Angeles. I don't know if it's a national chain of him and the blonde woman kissing because he had just filed for divorce from his wife of, I want to say at that time, like 37 years. And... he had met this woman co-starring in a movie but they seem really happy together and I am not one to celebrate separation or divorce but it does seem in this case that maybe he had just outgrown his wife or that they weren't connecting anymore and that he had found love again it's never great to be deceived or cheated on but it seems like everyone is happier at the end of the day and he had adult children so you know it wasn't really affecting them and he seemed to really 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 love his new girlfriend so kudos to him and again great tipper great guy Nothing but all around things I could hear. Now, Lawrence Fishburne, I would like to think He is amazing in person. I very much would love to know if anyone actually has interacted with him. Unfortunately, sadly, he has never come in or he has never gone into a bar that I would have any intel at, but I would die. I personally love him. It's tough because he's been in so many things. Trust me, Like, look at this man's IMDb. He has been in TV, movies, everything this man needs to rest. I really liked him as the grandfather on Blackish cuz he was just so funny. Of course, love him in the Matrix, but I want to say I think my favorite role of his favorite role of his is as Ike Turner and what's love got to do with it because he is so menacing and scary but so charming. And honestly, the outfits that they put him in <clears throat> Like that meme Like all those memes That come from the movies Because he is dressed Like such a fool But he is so Charming Slick And scary But I hope in real life he is nothing but wonderful. Now, the scandal that I am going to report on, it wasn't that much of a scandal, but his ex-wife Gina Torres, incredibly beautiful. She was on Suits. She was on Firefly. She's been in a lot of like Canadian heavy productions, which is very funny. She's not Canadian, sadly. I would definitely want to champion that. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And she and Lawrence Fishburne were, I believe, married for about 15 or 16 years when, once again, photos of her making out with somebody else were Released on either TMZ or page six. Then they had to release that, you know, they had been separated for a while, were filing for divorce, yada, yada, yada. And this guy was not famous, not in the industry, kind of just like a regular average Joe from Utah. And I was like, interesting. So, yeah, I had no idea where they met. I couldn't really find more about them. But I remember that story a lot because everyone's like, oh, she's cheating on Lawrence Fishburne. But I guess to be fair, maybe they had fallen out of love. Speaking of him, I am going to go plan to see John Wick 4 soon because I just heard there's a little homage to the Warriors. So I was like, oh, my God, Keanu Reeves, Laurence Fishburne and the Warriors in one movie and John Wick I got to go. Because for John Wick, I liked all like the first three. I was just like, oh, I don't want to see it in theaters. But I was like, yeah, I'll go see it in theaters. I have so many movie like events this month. I know my life is so hard. But where I'm just basically going to the movies all the time, I'm like, I can add one more. So that is some very mild tea on Ron Perlman and Lawrence Fishburne. I do apologize. I couldn't really get a lot on Kevin Conway, who was Fox or anyone else. I didn't really have like... The breadth of vice tea this week. I do apologize. So let's get to fashion. fashion. The winner of this episode, like I've already mentioned, is the color blue in all its various shades. Now, I do have some fun categories this week. <laughs> Best Dress Wildcard. I'm definitely gonna get to Laura with the gold and black sequin blazer that she's wearing at the club. Best Dressed Woman. I am going to give to Gina in that tunic, that blue tunic. I thought it was a suit. I'm so sorry. It's basically a long tunic, a royal blue long tunic with a belt and capris with heels and these big black shades. And then I'm also going to give it to Trudy, who's kind of in that teal bustier with a big earring. So blue is the winner, obviously, as it is the color of the prison uniform. Tubbs was not doing um, I mean sorry Croc was not doing anything in that mustard yellow and then my worst dressed is gonna be our drummer at Izzy's go-go dancing burlesque dancing strip night with the golden pink sleeves and the pink button shirt I do not know who picked this and also wouldn't that be a little bulky for a drummer wouldn't it kind of get in the way I <laughs> oh my god too cheesy Oh, and as with that, we are going to wrap up the episode. I am going to give you my favorite quote of the episode. But first, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, for tuning in, for subscribing, for telling your friends, for finding me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, subscribing, liking, maybe leaving a five-star review. And thank you also for bearing with me. I know my mind has not been as sharp these couple past weeks, see, past couple of weeks. And the only day I felt super... Focus and productive. I slept 10 hours until 2 p.m. <laughs> Obviously not something I can just do all the time. So thank you for bearing with me. I don't think it's anything health related. I think it's just mush. I think my brain has just turned to mush. So I think that's, <laughs> it's just a big bowl of mush. So thank you again for bearing with me. Don't forget to check out the gallery. Don't forget to follow, like on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube shorts, and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now, as we wrap up Walk Alone, these are my winners of the episode. (laughs) Woman, you watch too many movies. And of course, tied for my favorite quote is... Hey, woman! Thank you again for listening, liking, subscribing, and as always... Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.